And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, where we're Lamb Lion Ministry. We thank you for being part of today's program. We have an exciting program prepared for you today, and it's titled Blessed Israel, as we dive into Ezekiel chapter 36. So stay tuned. And before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Well, Lord Jesus, uh, we've come to this part of the, the Ezekiel's message that we've been waiting for, the, the prophecies that are happening in this day and age. And so, Lord, we pray you'll open them up to us, help us understand them. And uh, for all those tuned in, Lord, that we will all grow together in our relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuned into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Big Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. Again, we thank you for being part of our program that we have titled Blessed Israel. And those of you that are following us on social media, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family. If you're uh, catching us on Pray.com, we'd love for you to also leave your comments there and share this program so others can follow along with us as well. We want to invite you to get your Bibles ready as we dive into this wonderful study today. But before we do so, I'm going to welcome my co-host of the program, Nathan jones nathan welcome back good to be back brother after uh, i took a little time to go to montana and folks if you want to see some beautiful countryside i would recommend you go to montana uh, vic tells me in his uh, spanish speaking abilities that it actually means mountain and it certainly had plenty of mountains uh, my wife and i went to the glacier national park area and when you take that going on the going to the sun road that crawls along the cliffs and the edges, and it's just crazy. Uh, you get a real appreciation of what the, the Lord has done, and you constantly marvel at the beauty he's created. So um, I highly recommend head up to Montana. Oh, Nathan, that is fantastic. And Nathan, also speaking about Montana or Montaña, as we say in Spanish, it, it kind of goes with Israel. You and I have visited Israel a few times, and uh, or at least I've been there once. And as you're driving up to Israel, you also see it almost like up on a mountain, a montaña. And, and it's wonderful the way that Israel kind of just stands out, the city up, up there. Yeah, I mean, once you, you go through the Shephelah, then you start climbing up to the, the, the mountain areas. And Jerusalem is up in the mountainous region. And so it's kind of neat. Then it, it kind of descends again towards the Jordan River on the other side, the east side. And so when it, you actually, in your buses, sing songs of ascent because you're ascending up to Jerusalem. And the people in Israel, both in historically and now, would sing songs of ascent because they believe they're going up to God. And one day, brother, uh, as we read here, and as soon as, as we're getting into the later chapters of Ezekiel, we're going to start reading about how when Jesus Christ returns and sets up his throne in Jerusalem, and all the nations of the world will ascend singing songs as they go up to see their Savior face to face. Uh, exciting, brother. Absolutely exciting. 
Uh, definitely, Nathan. And, and one way that we're going to go up really soon is going to be in the rapture of the church. And we think that's going to happen in the near future. But Nathan, in case someone is new to the ministry and they don't know much about our ministry or how to get in contact with us, or maybe maybe they might want to ascend to the mountain of Israel and one of Israel's uh, uh, pilgrimage. Can you talk to them a little bit about that? Well, yeah, uh, if you're new to this ministry, this is uh, Lamb and Lion Ministries. A little echo there. Sorry about that. Uh, we're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We do that in a number of different ways, primarily through our television program, Christ in Prophecy. Uh, you can check it out on Daystar and a lot of the CTN and a lot of the other Christian networks, as well as Pray.com and his channel, Rumble, and our own Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel. Uh, but I refer most people to our website, which is ChristinProphecy.org. There you'll find a wealth of information, articles, videos, both short and long form. We've got uh, social media groups you can join. We've got an e-newsletter you can subscribe to. We have news feeds. Hey, we want to get you excited about the Lord's soon return. And, you know, when a, Vic, as when a, someone knows that Jesus Christ is coming soon, it really beefs up, it, it speeds up, it, it empowers the relationship with Jesus Christ because it does two things. It encourages them to holy living and it encourages them to evangelize in the short days that we have left. So uh, you can tell that Vic and I are excited about the Lord's soon return. We're excited about Bible prophecy. And if you're tuned in with us, uh, I assume you're excited as well. But if not, I think you'll catch on pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely, Nathan. Thank you for sharing that. And again, for those of you that are new, we thank you for tuning in and following us and being part of the program. We're super excited to see what God is going to do in your life. And also as he reveals himself through scripture, as we look at the book of Ezekiel, which we're getting now to chapter 36. Again, today's message is uh, blessed Israel. So Nathan, as we say, with no further ado, will you be able to open us up there in Ezekiel chapter 36 uh, and read for us verses 1 uh, through 4, and uh, I'll pick it up in verses 5 through 9. Okay, yeah, let's do that, and then we're going to back up, folks, and, and put this into the context that we've been studying up through chapter 35 to help you understand where what we're dealing with here. So uh, 1 through, uh, you said 4, right? Yeah, or you can do one through five, Nathan, and I'll do um, six through nine. Okay. And you, son of man, Ezekiel, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, Oh, mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has said to you, Aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, because they made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations. And you are taken up by the lips of talkers and slanderers by the people. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the valleys, the desolate wastes and the cities that have been forsaken, which became plunder and mockery to the rest of the nations all around. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, surely I have spoken in my burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom who gave my land to themselves as a possession with wholehearted joy and spiteful minds in order to plunder its open country. In verse 6, therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and the valleys, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I speak in my jealous wrath because of you have suffered the scorn of the nations. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will swear 
with uplifted hands that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. Verse 8, but you, mountain of Israel, produce branches and fruit of my people Israel, for they will soon come home. I'm actually going to pause there, Nate, as we look at this amazing passage, because we see again, this is now shifting a little bit from the previous chapters, and now we start to see a new thing that God is doing. But yes, Nathan, if you will give us a little re recap of the previous chapter, that will be great in case someone is tuning in for the first time. Sure. Uh, just uh, curious, Vic, uh, normally we use the New King James Version. What version are you reading from now? Well, Nathan, actually, you know, I just realized I have the new international version. So you are absolutely right. <laughs> Fine. That's good. I, I was just curious. You don't usually wear it's like, you know, some of the words are a little translated differently, but uh, I, they all mean the same. So that's good. OK. OK. Well, folks, if you've been following along and gee, God bless you, if you've been following along on 35 chapters, <clears throat> but we're at a time period where Ezekiel the prophet has been called to a nation that for hundreds of years has lived in sin. They're supposed to be the people of God. They were supposed to show God's love into the world and people drawn to Jehovah God or Yahweh God uh, through them. And they failed miserably. The law couldn't save them. It could only point to what sin is. And unfortunately, the nation became more evil than the other nations around it. And so God, through Moses, hundreds of years earlier, told the Jewish people, if you become as evil as the nations around you, you're going to be exiled out of the land. And we are now at that point, or just finishing up that point, I should say, where in 722 BC, the northern tribes of Israel, the northern 10 tribes would have been taken by the Assyrian Empire and scattered throughout the world. And then in 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came down. Uh, he besieged Jerusalem. At first, he took all the, the remaining cities out of Judah so only Jerusalem remained. And as we read through it, you remember, if you're with us, is that the elders called Ezekiel the prophet, and, and they also had Jeremiah at the time. And they're like, you know, why isn't God defending us? And saying, well, you abandoned God years ago. Uh, you are going to pay, our nation is going to pay for our sins. And so what the Jewish people did is they went into exile for 70 years. But the Lord promised that it wouldn't be just to punish Israel for its sins because his purpose was always a redemption to bring a believing remnant back to him and they would resettle the land of Israel once more. But he would punish the surrounding nations like Edom, which was the descendants of Esau. And so that was a promise to encourage the Jewish people. Hey, God is chastising you, but he's going to destroy your enemies. And so what we have been up to this point is where the Lord has shared his heart. And it's been a beautiful passage where the Lord shared how much he loved Israel but how much they scorned him and hated him and rejected him. And so he's like, okay, I'm just going to make it a remnant that's going to come and resettle Israel. Now we know by about 520, during the time of Zerubbabel, Haggai, and Zechariah, a remnant of Jewish people came back a few decades later under Ezra and Nehemiah in the late 400s, and they resettled the land. But Israel never became a nation like it was. It always had a ruler over. After the Babylonians was the Medo-Persians. And after the Medo-Persians was the Greeks. And after them, the Romans. And when the Roman Empire fell, then you had other empires that have ruled Israel, including, say, the Ottoman Empire and the British Empire. But in May 1948, God made Israel its own nation again. 
and it rules itself it, it, for the first time in thousands of years. So it's, it's really exciting. And so what we're here now, we have finally reached a transitional chapter, chapter 36 and 37, which is going to be about how a destroyed Israel will come back to life as a nation again. And Vic, I think I just gave it away, right? Because we know in 1948, Israel became a nation again. So we're going to read in these two chapters a fulfillment of a prophecy given, get this folks, 2,500 years ago. Mind blown. Ooh, Nathan, and actually, I'm so glad you share the backdrop because as we as this chapter unfolds, there's various pieces to it, and it will begin to unfold slowly and then full blown as we get into chapter the ending of chapter 36 and 37. But I'm glad that you share the background so that individuals, as we get into chapter 36, begin to see how this process is going to happen prophetically. Because we just read here in verses in chapter 36, verses one through eight that what was happening was these nations came across Israel. Uh, they were, uh, in a sense, mocking Israel, as we noticed there in these verses, almost like they thought that it was over for them as a nation. Their 36, chapter 36, verse four, uh, verse five, four and five, excuse me. But what God wanted them to know is, hey, I'm not through with Israel. I still love these people. I have a plan for their, for their, for their existence and their future. And God allowed the other nations to come against Israel, like you said, Nathan, because God, in a sense, was uh, disciplined them. He was teaching them a lesson. He wanted them to return to him. But his plan of love was still in full effect. So God did not take lightly the nations that came mocking against them, uh, making fun of them and also persecuting them. And God says, I love verse five there, Nathan. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, surely I have spoken in my burning jealousy against the rest of the nations, against all Edom and against my land of to themselves as a possession with wholehearted joy and spiteful minds in order to plunder its open country. So we see again that God says, hey, these people that have been mocking you and persecuting you, I'm going to bring them down like we read in the previous chapters and i'm going to now start raising israel up so it is an amazing passage nathan yeah excellent point and and prophetically that's exactly what happened the the surrounding nations were more than happy to, for the jewish people to be taken into captivity uh, little did they know that nebuchadnezzar would come back and take them too and it was very common back in the day you didn't just conquer a nation you exiled the people out of the land and then resettled it with your own people. It's kind of like what the Soviet Union did in uh, eastern Ukraine. You know, we hear Vladimir Putin today talk about the, the Russian region of Ukraine. Well, what Stalin did back in the day is they he, he basically starved out the people in eastern Ukraine. He moved the Russian people in and they took the land. And now Russia says, well, we've got control of that land. And you're like, well, wait a minute. You, you basically murdered the people and took it. Well, that's what kind of happened here, or actually did what happened here, is that Nebuchadnezzar uh, took the people out. Now, with, when the uh, Medo-Persians came in, the Medo-Persians were much more reconciliatory towards their people. They still ruled. They set up satraps, which were leaders over different regions, like governors over different areas, but their people were still there. And so what happened is, is as, as the Jewish people were moved out of the, the Holy Land, the uh, Medo-Persians and the Babylonians and others moved in, and they started intermarrying with the, what Jewish people were left there. And those Jewish people became to be called Samaritans after 
the land of Samaria, the northern area of Israel, just under the Galilee. And so this, when you get up to Jesus's time, you hear about Samaritans all the time being the enemies of Israel. Or when you read about Zechariah and Haggai rebuilding the temple, and uh, especially Ezra and Nehemiah later when they're building the walls and all, how they get a lot of pushback from the Samaritans because the Samaritans were the, the mixed Gentile Jewish people that had taken over the land. Now, after the Romans came in 70 AD and destroyed Israel and exiled the Jewish people a second time, they didn't move people in. It was a little different. They let they, they pretty much devastated. To, the siege of Jerusalem lasted, I think, two and a half years. And the Romans pretty much stripped all the resources out of the country. And when they left, the land turned into a desolate wilderness. Uh, Mark Twain recorded it, an excellent book. You ever get a chance to read Innocence Abroad? I, I read it uh, two years ago, and it is just a wonderful read. But Mark Twain went in the late 1800s to Israel, and he said you could travel for three days and not see another person. It was that desolate. So all this to say is that what God prophesied here is that the nations would make the land of Israel desolate came true prophetically. What God said would happen here through Ezekiel happened not once, but twice. Nathan, and that is, again, some wonderful history. And again, for those of you that just tuned in, you're tuned into a Truth to Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition, Vic Batista and Nathan Jones. Again, our topic is that of Bless Israel as we look at Ezekiel chapter 36. And Nathan, I just love, again, how now this is beginning to unfold uh, as God is now turning a page in the history of Israel. Uh, they're going from being scorned and mocked to God now being for them. And that we find in verses 9 through 12. Verses 9 through 12, indeed, are also fascinating because we're now uh, we begin to see again the work of God and he is for his people. He's not against them. And for those of you that are tuning into a program, it's the same way. Listen, God, if you are on his side, he is for you, not against you. God wants you to enter into a relationship with him. God will sometimes allow certain things to happen in your life because he wants to get your attention. Maybe you're going through that right now in your life, but hopefully you will be encouraged here as you read the book of Ezekiel with us and see how God's hand of blessing uh, is, is upon you as you start a relationship with him. Nathan, verses 9 through 12, amazing, wonderful passage. Would you be able to take us through those verses in case someone doesn't have a Bible so they can follow along with us? Yes, and I'll read it in the New King James Version. <laughs> yeah, I switched to that as well. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. All right. Verse 9, for indeed I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the city shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt. I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times." and do better for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Yes, I will cause men to walk on you, my people Israel. They shall take possession of you, and you shall be their inheritance. No more shall you bereave them of children. Nathan, isn't that a beautiful passage? I love how he says, again, how he's going to do better for you. Uh, I just, you know, sometimes we go through challenges in life and sometimes we feel like we're going backwards instead of forward with the things of God. But as we remain faithful to the Lord and we see his hand upon our lives, 
things actually turn out better for us. Has that happened to you, Nathan, where there was a time in your life where you thought, man, everything was just falling apart. You didn't understand why it seemed like you were going backwards. And then suddenly you see the hand of God in your life and you actually come out better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I got out of Bible college, I worked at a mission board for two years and uh, the mission board was going to send my wife and I to Brazil and work with street children. And the mission candidate director was like, well, you know, you're young, you got the little college debt, you should get some real world experience first. Well, I found out quickly that a Bible degree does not provide one a job. And so I had to go back. And at the time, the internet was starting to, to grow and burgeon. It was the late 90s. And and uh, all of a sudden, all these careers fields opened up. And so uh, I landed a job, internet banking, and then an ISP building websites. And all of them, I'm like, Lord, you know, I, I, I'm not doing ministry. What happened? So he led me to a mega church in Kentucky where for six years I, I helped them in their outreach on the internet by building, being the web architect. So the Lord had given me all these skills I never had, and he directed me into a mission field that I had never even considered, uh, global evangelism. From there, uh, back in 2007, Dr. David Reagan, our ministry's founder, invited me to come and serve at Lamb and Lion Ministries as the internet evangelist. And uh, I'm the director of uh, outreach uh, online, the internet outreach for the ministry. And I have all these skills that if I had just jumped out of college and, and, and went for the job, that couldn't help me be strategic when it came to digital marketing and advertising to reach people for Christ where they're at. And of course, I've added more seminary to it and have a doctorate degree now like Vic does. But, uh, you know, I build up those two areas. So, yeah, brother, I, I remember when I, I left the job, uh, I had to pick up like being a jump seat driver on in a UPS truck delivering presents at Christmas because I was so desperate for money. I'm like, Lord, I'm stepping out in faith here and I'm delivering packages like an elf. What's up with that? And uh, <laughs> he just he just guided me here. So, yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, that's the beauty of Israel. Uh, Israel was always meant to be an object lesson for all of Christ's followers. So not just Israel proper, but the church and eventually the millennial saints were all meant to look at Israel and see how God has dealt with them and learn how God deals individually with us. Uh, I just read a passage the other night in Hebrews, I think it's chapter 12 or 13, where the Lord says that, that or the author of Hebrews says that the Lord disciplines or chastises his children. And if you're not being chastised when you fall in sin, then he, you know, no good father would do that. A good father loves their children, so they, they discipline them for the hope of restoring them and showing them the right way. And Israel had gotten so far off course by Ezekiel's time that here the Lord had to discipline them. And it was strict. I mean, we're talking about destruction of their land for 70 years. But the Jewish people were brought back. Now, as we read in this passage, you can see that he's talking about the land becoming bountiful again. Now, for the, the 400 or so years that Israel was back in the land before the Romans again destroyed them and kicked them out, it was theirs. It wasn't as greatly plentiful. So this passage actually is looking forward to the second regathering, and that second regathering is happening in our time. 
Nathan, and let me tell you, that is where we're taking people, hopefully those that can be part of our segment of these programs uh, today and also in the future. Uh, this is, uh, in a sense, like parts one and that will be parts two and so on, because, again, this is all happening and it's unfolding uh, from 2000 plus years ago uh, to something that we're seeing happening right before our eyes. And let me tell you, Nathan, it's really amazing to see how God is for Israel. God is for his people. And also, we want you to know that God is for you. Uh, if you have a relationship with God, maybe you're going through things, but I want to encourage you to know that you are part of the blessing. Again, we noted that the Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, that all nations of the earth will be blessed through God's people. And not only that, Nathan, the encouraging thing to know that we're part of this wonderful plan, because Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, clearly again show how God is for us. God's his plan is in full effect for us, where the uh, Paul, in writing to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 31 through 39, says, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but deliver him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Again, it is God who is justified. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and therefore, excuse me, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or disease or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And I love verse 37 and, and on. Yet all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Nathan, we find this amazing promises that God has for Israel. He also has for us that he is for us. And Nathan, that's why we encourage people to make sure that they have a relationship with the Lord so that they will find themselves on the side of God. Wow, that is a powerful passage. It reminds me of the one where there is nowhere we can go that the Lord's love can't reach us. You know, he, he talks about going to the depths of the ocean and as far as outer space. I mean, you name it, you can't get away from the love of God. You know, even people that hate God, even people that have been some of the worst criminals in history, God created them. He loved them. He didn't approve of their sin. You know, he didn't stick a rainbow flag in front of their church. That That's that's wrong interpretation of the Bible. God hates sin because he is perfectly holy, but he still loves them. And he's still, you know, even if Hitler repented in the last days, you know, don't don't blow your mind, folks. But the Lord would have forgiven them and he'll forgive you, too, if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Uh, he still loves you. He still wants you as one of his children. And he calls you to come to salvation. Maybe this week, Vic, uh, you could give the salvation message. How can somebody know Jesus Christ as their Savior? 
Well, Nathan, I'm so glad. Thank you for the opportunity because, you know, God is all around us. He loves us. The Holy Spirit is right there uh, next to us, wooing us, if you will, to come to him. And this program that we're doing like now, right now, someone might be tuned in right now. And this is not by coincidence, but it's divine appointment. As a matter of fact, God attracted you to this program because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But the Bible is clear that we must come to God with an open heart, repented from our sins, and you can actually start that relationship with the Lord very simply right now with a very simple prayer, a prayer that will start you on that journey and it start with confessing your sins. And wherever you are, you can join with us with this very simple prayer that I'm going to lead you. And if you pray this prayer and you mean it from your heart, God will transform your life. And wherever you are, you can call on the name of the Lord. You can just call on the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I want to invite you to come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Lord, be the Lord of my life. From this day forth, I want to follow you, Jesus, with all my heart and all my mind. Help me to do that. I confess you as Lord, and I trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And see, Nathan, someone maybe just prayed that very simple prayer, but they meant it from their heart. The Holy Spirit moves position from being with them to be an inside of them. And if that's you and you started that relationship with the Lord, reach out to us. Let Nathan and I know that you started that relationship with the Lord and we would love to rejoice with you. We'll send you a Bible and a Bible study guide so that you can grow in your relationship with the Lord. And uh, Nathan, that's really the beginning right there, right? That's the first step. Surrendering our life to him, put him in charge. Uh, so a song, uh, Danny Goki, Jesus Take the Wheel. And that's true. We can't run our own lives. We screw it up. Israel screwed up their lives so bad. Jesus had to take the wheel from them, put himself back in there and drive them in the right direction. He can do the same for us to each and every one of us personally. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Nathan, for sharing that. And if you trusted in the Lord, again, we would love to hear from you and we would love to rejoice with you. We'd love to get feedback here uh, in the ministry. So reach out to us. And of course, for this segment of the program, we, we actually ran out of time for this segment of the program. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, saying goodbye. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Have a great day.